Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Michelle and Friends. Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Michelle and this is session number nine in our revelatory walk through the pages of scripture. Today we are starting a new book, the book of Leviticus. And in this session, I will give you a brief overview of the main figures, the main action, the main verses, and what you can expect as we journey through the book of Leviticus. All right, so as I get started, allow me to pray and bless our time together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you dwell in the midst of us and you have made a way for that to be. And so may our hearts be open to you. May we see you in a fresh way. And may we really go a little bit deeper in our relationship with you because that which you have done for people of old, you can do for us. And we thank you for your protection. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your person in Jesus's name. Amen. Amen. Alrighty. So we have gone through the book of Genesis and we have walked through the book of Exodus. And now we find ourselves at the book of Leviticus. And the people of Israel have been through many, many things. Their journey from Abraham, who received the promise that God would bless him, that God would make a nation through him, and that through him all of the earth would be blessed, and also that he would get a land, a promised land that he would dwell in. God made that covenant with Abraham and confirmed it with his son Isaac, and then confirmed it with his grandson Jacob. And from Jacob, we have the 12 tribes of Israel. And we learned of one of Jacob's sons, who was Joseph, and how he went into Egypt on a difficult journey, but how his time there, the Lord's favor on his life, allowed him to be such a blessing to the people of Egypt, to the Pharaoh of Egypt, and also, more importantly, to prepare a way for the people of Israel to come and stay there when their famine in the land would have begun. So God used Joseph to go before so the people of Israel were spared, the family of Israel was spared. Now they spent time in Egypt and 400 years have passed and there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph and he was threatened by the growth and the blessing that was on the lives of the children of Israel. And so he enslaves them and gives them really hard labor. They cry out to the Lord and the Lord hears them and sends a deliverer. And that deliverer was Moses. And Moses goes to Pharaoh to let God's people go. Pharaoh does not consent. And through a series of workings, we see that there were plagues and God delivered the people from Egypt with a mighty hand. In our study of Exodus, we saw them in slavery. We saw the deliverer um, raised up in the person of Moses. We saw the 10 plagues. Then we saw the Exodus. And when they left Egypt, they left with a, a huge transfer of wealth. They left with the wealth of the Egyptians. Then they go to the Red Sea. God does a miraculous opening of the Red Sea, allows them to pass through on dry ground and also drowns all of the chariots of Pharaoh that went after them. And in their journey in the wilderness, they complain, they murmur, but God was with them every step of the way, providing for them, protecting them. He caused bitter waters to turn sweet so they could drink from it. Then he provided quail and manna. He was with them in their first battle with Amalek. And all through the journey, God showed himself to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the covenant-keeping God. And so God gives 
Israel through Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the Moral Law. He also gives him instructions of how to build a tabernacle in which God wants to dwell among his people, in the midst of his people. Now remember before, the average person did not have a personal relationship with God where they were able to commune with God as friend to friend. And God spoke to a few people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them covenant and to lead them in their journey. And so even when the people of Israel are in the wilderness, God speaks to Moses on the mountain. The cloud of God descends on the mountain. And that's how the people see God. They see God as in a cloud on the mountain, far away from them. But at the end of Exodus, with the building and the erection of the temple and God's presence filling it, now God is dwelling in the midst of his people. And because he's dwelling in the midst of his people, now they have to learn how to live with a holy God in their presence, in their immediate presence. In other words, they have to learn how to coexist with God. God who is perfect, God who is holy, God is righteous, and the people who are not. And so as we go into this book, we're going to learn more about this system and this uh, the rituals that God gives in order for the people to be clean enough to live where God dwells. So in the Bible, we, we talked about at the beginning about the 66 books of the Bible and how the Christian Bible is divided into two compartments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, the first five books, which are known either as the Pentateuch or the Torah, are the books of the law. We attribute these books to Moses as the author. In this video, I'm doing a brief overview of the book, the principal figures, the themes, and the flow of the actions. And it's going to help us to uh, orient ourselves so as we go into detail, we know where we are headed. And we'll be doing that over the next three lessons. The book of Leviticus. We have 27 chapters, 859 verses. It was written around 1445 to 1444 BC. The setting of the book is at the foot of Mount Sinai, at the base of this mountain, because it flows right from Exodus, where the people have now met with God and have erected the tabernacle. And in this book, God is teaching the Israelites how to live as his holy people, because now he is dwelling in their midst. The title Leviticus comes from the tribe of Levi. And as we go through this book, you will see uh, how important this tribe is, especially as they have been called out to be ministers unto the Lord and to serve as his priests, um, representing the people before him, and how they have a high standard of righteousness and holiness that they have to live to. The book is pertaining to the things of the Levites, but it also includes the guidelines for the people of Israel. As we go through this book, we're seeing highly detailed instructions from the Lord as to the holiness as to how the people are to live holy before him. They are to be separate, distinct. They are supposed to be consecrated onto him because they are his people. And also, as we walk through the book of Leviticus, it's going to show you how sin, rebellion against God, disobedience against God, really devastates our relationship with him. He puts a system in place for us to be able to come to him and also to live according to his laws. So he's continually sanctifying his people and he gives them guidelines of how they are to live a sanctified life. 
So in it, through the different rituals, through the practical laws, we're going to see that God does forgive, but there must be an atonement and there must be a responsibility that each person must take to live wholly unto God. So in a nutshell, the purpose for this book is basically twofold. Number, the first part of it is that it's a handbook for the Levites, for the priests. Um, it's going to outline their duties in worship and the rituals that are necessary to allow them to minister before God. Especially now that the tabernacle is erected and this whole worship system is being instituted. And the second aspect of it, this is going to be a guidebook for the Israelites of how to live holy with God dwelling in their presence. The people of Israel are at the foot of Mount Sinai, and they have been listening to the instructions of God through Moses. And in this time, in the book of Leviticus, they are learning what this nation actually looks like and how to be holy in their interactions with God and in their interactions with one another. So you'll see a lot of practical guidelines as how to keep them sanctified and when they defile themselves, how to become holy again. So the tabernacle is erected in all of its glory. The cloud is there. God is in the midst. And now the people have to learn how to worship according to the instructions of the Lord. God has made this people. God is shaping this people. God is providing for this people. And now this people must learn how to interact with God and how to dwell with God. You know, even Exodus, they didn't want to talk to God directly. They wanted Moses to talk because God was so holy. And, you know, they heard the thundering and saw the lightning when God descended upon the mountain. But now, God wants to be where they are. And it's important that God is here because this is what brings the distinction between Israel and the rest of the, the nations around them. And especially as God leads them to the promised land, when they get there, he wants them to live in such a way that they do not become like the other nations and intermarry and serve foreign gods. He's teaching them how to live with his presence so that as they go into the world, they will live out the holiness of God. And so we also see the idea of cleanliness and how because God is perfect and he's holy, he's completely clean. And we as people, of course, defile ourselves with our thoughts, with our actions, with our speech. And so God will only dwell amongst holy and clean people. And so this is how the people become clean. As we went through um, the, the time of the pandemic, there was a buzzword that was going on so much, a new normal, a new normal. What was this new normal going to be after we go through the pandemic? Now here, the Israelites have a new normal. They have God dwelling in their midst. They have the priestly ministry. And so now they have to learn how to live with this big change in their lives. So Leviticus is really all about holiness, being set apart, being separate unto God, really shaping the Israel as a people of God. Um, and God demands holiness because God is holy and he expects his people to relate to him in a certain way and also relate to one another in a specific way. So not only are the Levites who are the priests of God called to a life of holiness, but so too are all the people of Israel. And listen, this theme of holiness that becomes prominent in Leviticus it goes through all of the scripture. And you see, even in the New Testament, Leviticus is quoted with this concept of holiness.
the main characters that we meet in the book of Leviticus. We're going to see God and we're going to see God in such a way where he is shaping his people, where he is dwelling in the midst of his people and he is teaching his people like a good father, how to live in such a way that pleases and honors him and the image in which they were created. So definitely we're going to see God. We're going to see Moses, the one who delivered God's people from Egypt. He is the spokesperson from God to the people. He receives the laws. He gives instructions to the people. And he is the one who is like the under shepherd of God's people because God is the leader. Moses is his spokesperson. We're also going to meet again, Aaron. Now Aaron is Moses's older brother and he becomes the high priest of Israel. He has a very prominent role, especially in this system of worship. He is consecrated as the high priest. He is expected to also teach his sons and his descendants about the priestly ministry. As we journey through Leviticus, we will meet again the sons of Aaron. There are four recorded. The first one is Nadab. He's the oldest. And Abihu, he is the second oldest. Now, these two, we've met them before in Exodus, and they were included in the leaders of Israel who came before the Lord with Moses. So they are very important. Unfortunately, you're going to see later on in Leviticus that they die because they offer God unauthorized fire in the tabernacle. If you remember in Exodus, God gave specific instructions of what type of a fire, what type of incense, and what type of oil was supposed to be used in the tabernacle. There are consequences to disobeying God because listen, God is in the place. God is dwelling in the tabernacle. So that's what happens to the first two. Now there are also two other sons, Eliezer and Ethamar. We remember we read Ethamar, he's one who was overseeing all of the resources in the building of the tabernacle. And so they also have a prominent place. These were the sons that were anointed priests and they were ordained to serve as the priests of God in the tabernacle. And those are the main characters that we are going to meet again in Leviticus. So let me give you a bird's eye view of the overview of the action. All of this basically happens in one year. And in the first part of Leviticus, it's all about worshiping a holy God. So from chapters one through chapter 17, we are seeing how God provides an, a way to him and access to him, how the children of Israel are to come before the Lord. And it includes a lot of rituals. So we're going to see instructions for the offerings that are to be offered in the tabernacle, the instructions for the priests, how they are supposed to live. We're going to see Aaron and his sons ordained. You're going to get a detailed view of the ceremony that happens. And then we're going to see the instructions for the people, for their cleanliness laws, for the congregation. We will also see instructions for the altar because God provides specific directions for the worship that is going to be pleasing unto him. He is completely holy. He has to direct what it is that he requires and will not be offending to him. And through all of it, it reveals his character, his nature. And also, like I said, shows us the seriousness of sin. And sometimes we really don't understand the concept of sin. 
But here we start to see how sin truly separates us from the presence of God and how important atonement is that we are able to be in God's presence. The offerings are there. We see the priests will be the representatives of the people and the laws for cleanliness, uh, how we're going to stay clean physically and spiritually. So the people uh, practically will be healthy and they will be defiled in the presence of God. In the second part, we move on to living a holy life. So that's chapters 18 to the end of the book, chapter 27. And this all has to do with a new lifestyle with God in their midst. So it has a lot of practical teaching about standards for the people, standards to the priests, the different seasons and the festivals and how they're going to receive God's blessing. So God's giving them clear directives here as well as what is holy living. Honoring him is not just by how we approach God, but also how we relate to others. So there's a lot of practical guidelines, lots to do with the celebrations and the severe consequences of breaking God's law. Let's look at the main themes that we can pull out. As I said before, number one is holiness, right? You know, in the book of Leviticus, the word holiness is mentioned more times than any other book of the Bible. It's mentioned 152 times. And being holy basically means being separated or devoted to, to God. And so as God has brought them out of Egypt and out of slavery and out of bondage, now he is removing all the influences of Egypt from within them and showing them how to live according to his standard. That means that every part of their life must be devoted to God. And that's something that I often talk about too. I have a message called the one life, how every aspect of our lives must be brought under the leadership of Jesus. Every part of us must be devoted to God. Every role we fill, every responsibility we carry, everything we do must be lived under the leadership of Jesus. That we also see the theme of sacrifice and offering. And so there are different types of offerings. Offerings are instituted to help them to show praise and thankfulness and devotion to God and also for atonement. So remember the covering and the removal of their guilt and their sin. The sacrifice included bloodshed and life loss because that was the only way that they would have been forgiven of their sins. The principle that God institutes is a life for a life. And we know that this was just temporary until Jesus came where he would pay the final price for the sin of all people forever. We also see the theme of worship. Okay, so there are going to be seven festivals that's going to be designated as religious and national holidays, and they're to celebrate together in families and really just remember what, who God is and what he has done for them as a people. God is giving them an orderly way of following him, and he gives them rules and guidelines so that they would be able to respect him, live holy, and continually rededicate their lives to his service. These are his people and he wants to be in with them at all times in such a way that will not kill them. Another theme that is prominent in the book of Leviticus is health. So there are civil rules for handling food, disease, 
and sex. Listen, Israel had to be different from every other nation and God would preserve it from disease and different health problems that would come. So he gives them guidelines to keep them healthy and he wants to consecrate them spiritually, but also physically. So he makes sure that the environment is going to be health clean, that their bodies are going to be healthy and that they will be able to truly live out the will of God. Another thing that we see in the book of Leviticus are the, is a theme of the priesthood, the Levites. These are the descendants of Levi, the son of Jacob, you know, also known as Israel. And they would be the ones who would instruct the people in their worship and they will continue, would continually minister to the Lord in the tabernacle. And of course, they set a pattern that is going to be fulfilled in Jesus, who is our high priest forever. In the, the book of Leviticus, with all the, the laws and with all the sacrificial system and the worship rituals, it sets up the stage, of course, for who? For Jesus, who will come much later on. One of the main verses of the book of Leviticus is uh, in chapter 19, verse 2, where it says, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So that's why holiness is such an important aspect. So over the next month, we're going to go through the different chapters. We're going to meet the different people. We're going to learn about the guidelines, the rituals, the festivals, the laws, and see the practicality of serving God as he guides Moses and he guides the people to live holy because he, the holy God, is in their midst. So I hope that you are looking forward to this journey as I am. You know, as we have been going through the different books, my faith has been increased. My, my courage has increased. My resilience has increased. And I pray the same for you as we rehearse and as we remember the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and what he has done and how particular he is in the lives of his people. Listen, we will be strengthened in our own journey today because he is the same God. And through Jesus Christ, we get to follow God closely because he not only dwells in our midst, but by the person of the Holy Spirit, he dwells within. What is life with the Holy Spirit supposed to be like? What is a life of a disciple of Jesus supposed to be like? Well, listen, we can learn a lot from the Israelites in the wilderness. So join me for the rest of the month as we journey through Leviticus and we walk and see the holiness of our God. God bless you as you go. Dr. Michelle signing off for another week. And remember, continue to share the word, subscribe to our channel so you can know when the next video is coming out. And of course, we, we need your prayers and we definitely need your support in any way you can give it so that we can get the word out that there is victory in the word. Have a fantastic day.